Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, Canada secures early delivery of a COVID-19 vaccine. Pending Health Canada approval, the first shipment of doses is tracking for delivery next week. Shipments will continue to arrive into 2021 with millions of doses on the way. This will move us forward on our whole timeline of vaccine rollout and is a positive development in getting Canadians protected as soon as possible. Opposition leaders say receiving vaccines isn't enough. We know that in the first round, the number of doses that the Liberal government has secured are not enough for the most vulnerable people, the people who need it most. And Aaron O'Toole says he disagrees with the anti-vaccine petition started by a Conservative MP. It's a critically important tool. I don't agree with with the, the, the petition that was introduced. Petitions are always uh, coming into Parliament. It's Tuesday, December the 8th. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top political stories this morning. I'm joined by Susan Delacourt, columnist for the Toronto Star. Susan, thank you for being with us. Thanks for having me here, Mark. Canadians woke up this morning to the news that there are people in the United Kingdom who are now receiving vaccines against COVID-19. Uh, they're the first in the world to be administered uh, these tested vaccines. And we're also hearing news from yesterday, Susan, that uh, Canada will start to see a small number of these doses arriving in the country soon. So what does this mean in terms of the effort to vaccinate Canadians and our fight against the uh, the coronavirus? Well, it, that was huge and unexpected news yesterday. Um, I think it's, it's sort of the temper of the times that it got overwhelmed in a, a sea of uh, misgivings and doubts and recriminations, but it is December in politics and this kind of thing happens. But first, let's focus on the good news. The good news is is that almost 250,000 doses will be here before the end of the year. It wasn't that long ago that the Prime Minister was saying, you know, Canadians would have to wait till January. What that means, though, is only because it's a double dose, um, only about 120,000 Canadians roughly, will be getting the vaccine before the end of the, new, the, the year. Um, we, uh, it was amazing yesterday to listen to the array of news conferences across the country and, and watch the provinces wrestling with this, how it's going to be done. Because people want to know, okay, it just doesn't magically show up at my doorstep. Um, and Rick Hillier, whose press conferences I commend to everybody because he answers in such great detail, he was uh, the, the the retired general that Ontario has picked to to head this vaccine effort. He was explaining that um, they're going to have issues about do people come to them to a distribution point, and often the most vulnerable people in who need the vaccine are not in a position to hop into their car and and uh, go over and and get a shot in the arm. Yeah. So. Uh, it, it's it's a huge logistical challenge at the moment. So this this first dose, um, as Hillier was explaining yesterday, he's kind of glad that it's a small number right now. It's kind of like beta testing. There, um, I, I don't think and we should remind people too. Health Canada hasn't approved this vaccine yet. It's expected in a couple of days. But um, anyway, next week you're going to see 
the joy of vaccinations and also some of the logistical problems. Remember, this is going to be happening in winter, too, in Canada, which makes things even more complicated. So uh, this is one of those classic good news is bad news stories. It's, It's great news. that that the vaccinations are starting before the end of the year, we're going to start to see the problems with all of this. And and there are many. Yeah, and there are opposition leaders saying that this isn't enough. We need more of a coordinated strategy. We're not going to solve all of the issues arising from this crisis just with a vaccine. So that's worth noting as well. Meanwhile, Conservative leader Aaron O'Toole has now spoken about the petition that was started by a member of his caucus, Derek Sloan, the former leadership candidate, that was raising questions about the safety of vaccines and and using the term human experimentation. And O'Toole says he doesn't support that petition and he believes in the science. Uh, And it's another example of O'Toole having to answer for something that has been said by a member of his caucus that, that goes against conventional wisdom. Yeah, Aaron O'Toole's in a tight spot here, as are all the opposition parties, too, because uh, this isn't like the first wave of the pandemic when everybody was all singing from the same song sheet. Uh, Aaron O'Toole does have people like this in his party. He has to somehow manage criticizing the Liberals' vaccine rollout and, and how this is being handled without eroding the public's faith in vaccines. Um, that would be a very bad public health thing to do. Not just bad politics, it would be, it, it's inadvisable. And you've heard doctors about talking about this. A, a good number of Canadians, um, I think the last figures I saw were, you know, 60% or so, saying they wouldn't get the vaccine right away. You know, they want to see how this is going to happen. And you do not want politicians feeding into any kind of idea that it is unhealthy or unsafe to get the vaccine. So uh, Newfoundland Premier Fury, who is a medical doctor, was talking about this yesterday, about the, the challenge for politicians in the days ahead is 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 how to, to criticize and, and, and yet stand up for science. I thought O'Toole is is trying to manage that, but he does have, as you point out, he does have a constituency uh, that he within, and he is supposed to speak up and and ask hard questions of the government. But I think if I were Mr. Sloan, I'd be feeling, the, the author of that petition, I'd be feeling a little more alone at the moment. All right, let's turn to the government's assisted dying legislation. Uh, there's a deadline that's coming, uh, December 18th, which effectively may, means whenever Parliament rises for the winter break, which is likely to be the end of this week. Uh, and Justice Minister David Lametti is is trying to get this legislation across the finish line. There have been a couple of delays already. He could ask for another delay, but uh, is unlikely to at this point. Uh, the opposition, the Conservatives in particular, are pushing back, saying they want more provisions in the bill that are not there, longer waiting periods uh, between the time that someone makes a decision uh, to engage in assisted death and when that would be administered. Um, and there are also uh, d- uh, there are uh, advocates for people living with disabilities who are raising concerns about this as well. Do you think the government can can bring this bill to the finish line before Parliament rises? It's looking unlikely. 
Uh, and that is because it's got to go to the Senate, too. And uh, it is uh, it, it does look like this one may reach the end. I don't know what the punishment is for not meeting a legislative deadline. This deadline was already extended a couple of times because of the pandemic. I think the election was another reason that it was extended. There is The fundamental issue here is nobody was happy with the assisted dying law when it was passed, uh, initially by the Liberal government. There were people who thought it was too free and made it too easy for various people, and there were people who didn't think it went far enough, like in the case of dementia patients. And I know there's the, the government has been polling on this. The government's approach to this has been, look, let's just do what um, it, the Quebec court told us to do, which is to remove a certain amount of provisions from this and do a sweeping review after. And I think what you're seeing right now is that this bill is getting caught up in the review, the major review, the five-year review, that people wanted it to have when it was passed unsatisfactorily. So my bet is that this one is going to get caught up. I don't know, does the federal government go to provincial court jail for not meeting the deadline? I don't, and I'm not clear on what, what yeah. happens when that, uh, but but it's not looking likely. And it's because it, it has to not just pass the House, but the Senate as well. Yeah. All right. We're going to see some interesting developments in the days ahead as a vaccine is on its way to Canada. We'll be watching all of that and more. Susan, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, Mark. That's Susan Delacourt, columnist for the Toronto Star. We are encouraged to hear that vaccines are on the way, but the reality is without a plan, Canadians will not have confidence in what that means for them in their own lives. Now, here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today. In an editorial, the Toronto Star argues, while early arrival of a COVID vaccine brings hope, there is still a long battle ahead. The Star writes, as Justin Trudeau was announcing the early arrival of a vaccine, Others were reporting numbers that make it all too clear that this disease is far from done. On current trends, it's going to get worse before it gets better. And at this point, no vaccine can arrive quickly enough and in big enough quantities to stop that from happening. It's essential that the rollout of the vaccines, when they come, be flawless. In an editorial, the Toronto Sun argues in favour of a vaccination plan that protects the vulnerable. The Sun writes... The Prime Minister has announced the first doses of vaccine will be for those most vulnerable and most at risk of having a serious outcome from COVID-19. 80% of those who died during the first wave were long-term care residents. This is ultimately where the pandemic is playing out. Making vaccines available to high-risk persons first is a win for all. Everyone who wants a vaccine should have access to it, but Canadians in lower-risk categories should also see the benefits of letting others go first. In an editorial, the Hamilton Spectator calls on Aaron O'Toole to stand up for COVID-19 vaccines. The Spectator writes, What Derek Sloan has done by supporting a petition that questions the safety of vaccines is precisely what this country doesn't need. Conservative leader Aaron O'Toole needs to step forward. He's made political hay by accusing the federal government of moving too slowly to get Canadians vaccinated, yet he's tight-lipped when one of his own MPs promotes falsehoods that could slow that process and endanger people's lives. In the Globe and Mail, André Picard 
argues that for now, we can ignore the anti-vaxxers. Picard writes, The loud minority of people uttering all manner of unscientific nonsense gets altogether too much attention. There isn't near enough vaccine to go around, so we should do ourselves a favor and ignore them until more becomes available, and we move from targeted vaccination to mass vaccination of the general public. That is when we will have to reach out to those who are hesitant. Now, here's what's coming up on Canada's political agenda. The Parliamentary Budget Officer will release a report this morning on the Trans Mountain Pipeline. CPAC's Martin Stringer has more on why this report is sure to make news. Mark, the multi-billion dollar expansion of the Trans Mountain Pipeline from Alberta to the coast of BC leaves nobody indifferent. For its proponents in the energy sector, in Alberta and elsewhere, it's a vital lifeline helping ensure the future of Canada's resource economy. For its detractors, it's a white elephant, a bottomless money pit, which the, pay- the taxpayer is paying for and which ties us to an environment-killing industry. The PBO report was requested by NDP environment critic Laurel Collins. The PBO will look at the latest estimates for how much the project will cost you and me, the Canadian taxpayer, because of course the pipeline expansion project and the existing pipeline were purchased by the Trudeau government. The original purchase of that existing pipeline cost about $4.5 billion. The expansion project has ballooned in cost, and when the PBO last looked at the project a year ago, it concluded that the cost was about $12.6 billion for the expansion. Construction is underway, but it's been delayed by the pandemic. And it's important to note that the PBO's previous report said if the Trans Mountain Pipeline, if the expansion wasn't completed by December 2021, that the whole project would be uneconomical. The report by the PBO will be released at 9 a.m. on its website. Thanks, Martin. Also today, the Prime Minister will speak with the Premier of Yukon before making a virtual visit to students at Nelson Rural School in Miramichi, New Brunswick. Later in the day, he will attend question period and then speak during the virtual annual General Assembly of the Assembly of First Nations. And Infrastructure Minister Catherine McKenna, Economic Development Minister Melanie Jolie, and Government House Leader Pablo Rodriguez will take part in an announcement about green infrastructure investment in Quebec. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Tuesday, December the 8th. Tune into Primetime Politics tonight on CPAC for coverage of all the day's events. Our podcast returns tomorrow morning. Have a great day.